Welcome to This Week in the ACC. I'm your moderator. This is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at at HoagieSmash underscore ASC. This is the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And joining me as always is Jeff, whose Twitter account is at Talking ACC Sports. This is the Longest running, as I said, independent ACC podcast in the United States. Our, our site Twitter account is at AllSportsDACC. The website that we blog at is AllSportsDiscussion.com. And this podcast and our blog is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. And we want to make sure that we tell you that you got to go to locally owned pharmacies and then and Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg is just a really is a really terrific pharmacy. Uh, you can you can check them out at mainstreetpharmacy.com and I'll make sure I get that make sure I get that right here before the make sure I get that right here before the end of the podcast if I have that website wrong but we'll make sure we get that right here before the end of the podcast. Uh, this week we have a great return guest in Paul Andrew Esden Jr. You can follow Paul on Twitter at, at @boygreen25. He is the co-host of the Man Child Show with Boy Green on Cumulus Media, and that's the Man Child Show on Boy Green. It's from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Score 12. 60 in upstate New York. And let me make sure I give you that corrected website. It's uh, for Main Street Pharmacy. It's www.msblacksburg.com. And we make sure that we correct that error from earlier in the podcast. That, that's, But it's a terrific local pharmacy in Blacksburg, and it's one that I will visit every time I come down to Blacksburg, every time I come down to Blacksburg. Very, very great for pride, very great small business and doing great work through the pandemic. So, Paul, and welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back on the All Sports Discussion podcast. You are one of the few Syracuse experts out there. I mean, you, uh, you've got to, you're in, in volume. I, I know your requests are volume. People are probably asking to interview you all the time. And we're happy to have you back. So that's a, is there that's anything right, man. So out thank there? you so much. Is there any, you bet, man. Is there anything out there that you want to plug? Because this is your opportunity to run through the, the 10,000 jobs that you have. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time, but uh, a few things you already said. Uh, I love, in terms of the Syracuse love, because I, 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 it's like I live two secret lives. Uh, on one day, I'm Clark Kent. On the other half of the day, I'm Superman. So, you know, on half of it, I do all the jet stuff. That's part of my other job as a digital reporter for the New York Jets. And on the other half is my daily job as a sports talk radio host, talking all things Syracuse football and covering the team locally for the score 1260. So, and doing a, basically a, a Syracuse football based sports talk, a sports talk radio show uh, when we're in the middle of the season and also the off season stuff as well. So uh, no, you guys nailed it all. But like I said, if I went through every job, uh, I think we'd be here all night. So, and not talking about the things you guys would want to be talking about, but uh, no, thank you guys uh, for having me. I love being here. And I'm building up my Chase Blue Points on this podcast. I love coming back every year. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so happy that you're here with us. So before we get into football, because you're here to preview 2021 Syracuse football with us tonight, we just want to give us your brief thoughts on the Syracuse 2021 men's basketball team, because I'll, I'll tell you, it seems like every year, Paul, I mean, that Syracuse sometimes sometimes finds themselves either at a very low at-large last seed sort of in, or they're the last four in, you know, like one, one of those types of scenarios. Yeah. And then, you know, Jeff and I are experienced enough in this, and I know you are. We're like, well, of course they're going to make the Sweet 16. We sit, you know, whenever we see that. So, <laughs> But here's your chance to, 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 to come out and get, <laughs> talk about the glory because, Experienced ACC fans see it, but I don't think a lot of people see it. Yeah, uh, again, uh, I'm glad we're starting here in basketball. That's a that's a great start. Uh, you know, it's a, it's really cool. 
Uh, obviously, Syracuse is losing some key pieces that they've uh, grown accustomed to loving, like Marek Dolezal, who's just, you know, the Slovakian slayer and all these other nicknames he's earned locally here as a tough son of a gun that I think, again, his legacy here is going to mean more than any stats or anything he could have accumulated uh, during his time. And obviously, ever with the COVID year, which is weird, and it's an entire conversation in its own right, that with that, all the players got an opportunity if they wanted. There weren't any true seniors that weren't going to get the chance to come back. So, you know, a lot of fans, I'm sure, were holding out hope that Dolajai uh, would be able to come back and, and some of these other guys. But, you know, he leaves, which leaves a void. But then we got the Bayhan family reunion. It's been a it's been a fun game that everyone's had circled every year. We're Buddy, who's here at Syracuse, and Jimmy, who is also now here at Syracuse, but formerly at Cornell. We had kind of that Bayheim Bowl where the Julie Bayheim and Jim Bayheim and, the, you know, the whole family affair. And now Jimmy's over here. And obviously Quincy Garrier leaving, opening up an opportunity there as well. So that's going to be a cool dynamic, obviously. And we just, we've kind of witnessed it a little bit with the father, Jim, and Buddy and that father-son relationship. So Jimmy's been, and we had Jimmy on the radio a couple months back after the news came out about it, and he said he was picking his brother's head a little bit about being coached by him. While he's been coached by him, you know, different points during his life. That's going to be kind of cool. So Bayheim family reunion, uh, Jesse Edwards going to get opportunities. I mean, we could jump all over the yard and JG3 and, and everybody else, but uh, you know, and uh, all the new people coming in from uh, freshman Benny Williams, Samir Torrance, who's uh, who's a homegrown boy coming back after a couple years elsewhere. Colts wider, same thing. So, you know, fans are excited, but same thing. Syracuse looks like a bubble team again this year. Stop me if you've heard that before. And you're going to be in the Sweet 16. That's exactly it, Sweet 16. Book it right now. I don't know. Whatever the Vegas line is right now, boys, slap it. Let's make some money. Let's retire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, cause it's, it's certainly been that way. Whenever they've been on the bubble, Jeff and I are like, yeah, it's happening. And nobody ever seems to believe us. And so, I mean, but yeah. that, it was, I'm sure it was fun. I'm sure it was a hell of a lot of fun for you to watch this year. Now, we're going on to 2021 Syracuse football. And Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right, Paul. What are some of the major strengths coming back for Syracuse football? It's a great question. And, uh, you know, obviously coming off a one in 10 year, I mean, I've got so many options to pick from, which is, which is always great. So, you know, let me see if I can limit it uh, to a certain point. You know, when I'm just looking, when I look at a strength for Syracuse football, I just try to evaluate the roster. And again, I was like, you know, kind of half joking with a one in 10 season, but there are a lot of interesting pieces on both sides of the ball that really, for me, are strengths. And while we'll talk about the weaknesses in a second, so I won't uh, steal the thunder uh, from that, Garrett Williams, I think a lot of people are excited about him at corner in particular, and some people have even gone out and projected him as a future first-round pick. So obviously he's got a, a lot of pressure on him. Uh, Sean Tucker was a phenomenal find last year. Uh, for Syracuse that, you know, has had troubles uh, running the football, and that's putting it lightly. They, I don't think they've had a 1,000-yard rusher in nine years, or 2012, jumping back uh, in that frame. And Taj Harris offensively as well. Taj Harris is a super exciting player that could somewhat be volatile sometimes with, uh, you know, his temper and personality and things, and that can sometimes rub people the wrong way. But obviously, he's super talented. So, really, there's a lot of varying strengths. And McKinley Williams on the defensive line as well. He is impressively talented. And how could I not say, you know, it's like, and while, like I said, it's a little tongue-in-cheek with the 1-10 season, but when you look at this roster, you look at the starting lineup, the other guy that I have circled, and he was one of my favorite recruits coming in from a couple years ago, and I'm pretty sure we talked about him on this podcast. So, you know, we foretold all his superstardom. So, we're waiting for those royalty checks coming in. But uh, Michael Jones... Uh, is a superstar. He's going to be everything and more uh, for the Syracuse football team. And I think we're all, we were all excited about it from a recruiting standpoint. And then I think it's always great when you predict and project, you know, high scores coming to the next level. You know, we see all the times that guys could be highly touted in high school and not make that transition for whatever reason to the college game. Michael is a guy who has made that transition and the Syracuse coaching staff is just elated over the top with how he's developed and what still, what more meat he obviously still has left on the bone. All right. 
Paul, now we got to go to the other side of the coin. And and you already said, you know, Syracuse coming off a rough season last year. You know, what are some of the major weaknesses yeah. coming back for Syracuse? You know, what do you think they'll be working on, you know, the month before the season begins? And, you know, what are the questions you think have to be resolved to have a successful year? You know, this, I kind of joke, we didn't have enough time to talk about all my different jobs because, you know, you know, we wouldn't have enough time for it. The weaknesses, unfortunately, and it's coming off a one in 10 season. So uh, the thing I love is, you know, we could talk about the great things and the bad things. And coming off a one in 10 year, you know, obviously there's going to be some bad here for Syracuse. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Some of the weaknesses now first is just kind of nature of the beast. On one side, it's somewhat of a compliment. And that's the secondary for Syracuse is now has turned from a strength into a weakness because we just look at what happened uh, in the NFL draft and then shortly after the NFL draft, look at all the guys that Syracuse lost. We're talking about Andre Sisco, and obviously he would have went even higher in the draft if he didn't have the freak injury uh, in the uh, pregame where he ran into another teammate and blows out his leg. Like that's just freaky stuff that is unfortunate. But he was the first pick in the third round. So Andre Sisco, who is the active FBS leader in interceptions, uh, EP2 Melifonwu, who obviously his brother Obi was drafted a couple years ago. He goes to the Lions. I love Ify. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player that's only going to get better at the next level. Uh, Trill Williams, a playmaker who was originally uh, snagged by the Saints, ultimately ends up on the Dolphins heading into camp. So the secondary for me, which was obviously a crazy strength last year, and we wish we could have had them all on the field all at the same time, a lot of injuries and other factors. Uh, prevented that from happening. But the Syracuse secondary was so impressive. And while I did say that, again, everyone is excited about Garrett Williams at corner, but the rest of his teammates, there's there's a lot unknown there that's going to be some speculation. So the secondary is now a weakness with all the guys that moved on to the next level. And then, obviously, quarterback. I, I mean, that's the big question. And I think he, the fact that we're even talking about it, obviously, is a massive failure, is that Tommy DeVito was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the promised child, the Elite 11 camps, everything Tommy DeVito. He was supposed to be the savior. And whether fair or unfair, those were the expectations that were thrown at Tommy DeVito's feet after everything he accomplished. And now, even Phil Steele, you know, he projected uh, that Garrett Schrader will win this quarterback battle and end up being the week one starter based on his conversations with Dino and the rest of the coaching staff. So it's going to be a battle. And we got to figure out who's the starting quarterback. So obviously, from that standpoint, you got to say that the quarterback position uh, is a weakness for Syracuse. And obviously, Syracuse fans are pretty bummed to hear that as well. And then the offensive line, obviously, is a massive mystery. And that's part of the reason that Tommy DeVito has struggled uh, since taking over the starter after Eric Dungey uh, moved on uh, to the next level. So obviously, offensive line, there's some question marks, although, and I didn't mention this in the strength, but it's almost like a recruit. And we'll talk about recruits in just a little bit. But Chris Bleich, everyone said, oh, NCAA waivers. It's like Oprah was out there. You get a waiver. You get a waiver. You get a waiver. Oh, Chris Bleich. Oh, you don't get a waiver. And he was unable to play last year. So he's coming in. He's like, like if I was going to equate it to the NFL, it's like a guy gets injured. Next year he comes back. It's almost like a free agent-esque addition. And Syracuse had a lot of huge expectations, obviously, for Bleich, who's coming over from a Florida program. He's going to be a guy who's a plug-and-play starter. So that's going to be an interesting addition as well. But overall, the offensive line is a huge question mark. But uh, to answer the question, we went all over the barnyard here. But quarterback is the one where I think a lot of us scratch our heads and say, who's going to be the starter? And that's never a good situation to be in when you don't know who your starter is going to be. All right. Now, uh, Paul, we want to ask you next, you know, is there help on the way? Who are some of the new recruits that have impressed you the most? And, you know, this, this can also include – um, newcomers to the team that arrived through the transfer portal, you know, now that, you know, that that's kind of open, uh, open wide, the players can, you know, um, start playing or that came in recently, you know, you know, are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? You know, that's a great question. Again, I have to immediately go to Blight, who's a guy who didn't get to play last year, but ultimately he's going to be working his way in. And, again, it's unfair sometimes as we throw around expectations in, like, a podcast world or what have you. But Blight's coming over from a Florida program. All of us are like, okay, that kind of blood. It was similar to what happened, if you guys remember Coda Martin from a bunch of years ago and remember the father-in-law of, or uh, rather son-in-law of Dino Babers. Now all that worked out. And Coda Martin came in and made an instant impact. 
I think Syracuse has those similar expectations to Chris Bleich coming in on the offensive line. He's going to be a guy that I think obviously is going to be a starter uh, for this team. So they have high expectations uh, for Chris Bleich uh, on the offensive line. The rest of it, in terms of like trying to project a guy that could potentially make some noise, I think uh, Stephon Thompson uh, at linebacker potentially is going to come in and have an opportunity to start, especially with a lot uh, that is left. The guy that we talked about a couple of years ago who has continued to kind of work his way in, and Syracuse has developed an interesting Canadian pipeline where, and it's you know it shouldn't be unusual based on location again Syracuse New York and Canada and being able to build that but Syracuse has done a good job I wrote a story about it a couple of years ago about how Vito Babers has kind of cultivated an interesting thing there so again Jeff Cantine Arcu he's another guy that has again just been kind of waiting in the pipeline waiting for his right opportunity and as things have expanded here I expect him to be a starter uh, here for Syracuse and then obviously as I just said when you talk about the secondary, there is plenty of opportunities on the back end, whether it's Amon Greenwood, uh, who will be coming in, and uh, obviously a couple other guys that you can throw in there as well. So, you know, secondary-wise, I think there's going to be opportunities, and also, obviously, on the offensive line, that's the biggest one for Syracuse is Blight. He's the guy that, again, that Syracuse is going to be throwing massive expectations to, and a little bit of a YOLO strategy there from Syracuse saying, oh, let's uh, cross our fingers and see what happens, boys. And uh, that's what they're going to be hoping for there, uh, no question about it. Okay, Paul. Um, you know, based on what you've seen uh, and read uh, so far going into uh, this summer and from the spring, do you think Syracuse will be better than last year and why or why not? And then we're going to play what we call win-game-loose uh, game where we walk through the Syracuse schedule and then you give us your, your quick, uh, you know, couple sentence answer whether that game will be a win or a loss. All right, great. Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to be much worse than they were last year. Uh, I mean, so uh, the bar is obviously almost, it's like, you know, it's like uh, so low. I, I don't know how you, it's almost impossible to surpass it. I guess it's not, I guess technically you could go winless. So there's that for Syracuse, but you know, in all seriousness, you know, Everything that could have went wrong last year went wrong for the Syracuse team, and then the COVID year, and man, I know everyone was dealing with COVID, so I'm not trying to make excuses here for Syracuse. It just, man, they were just terrible. I, <laughs> there's no other way to slice this puppy. So, you know, a 1-10 year last year, 1-9 in conference, and then when you look overall, they, they were able to beat Georgia Tech, but the, the thing that really got to me was a lot of the blowout losses where they just really had no chance to win, and that was obviously – uh, dejecting for the fans. I, as I'm starting to go through a couple of these, you go to week one, they're blowing up 31-6 to by North Carolina. While the game was super close until the late portions of the game, they completely fell apart, and that was a theme, as we would soon find out, for Syracuse of just blowing things at the end. And, man, it was just, again, just hard to wrap your mind around, hard to wrap your brain around for Syracuse fans, especially, again, I think we were talking about this off-air before the show started, that, you know, a couple of years ago they had a 10-win campaign, they're in every college football playoff show. We're like, oh, wow, Syracuse is just in the conversation. This is phenomenal. It's terrific. And obviously everything is completely ex uh, exploded and imploded, rather, uh, from that standpoint. So, yeah, you know what? Can it be better? By gosh, if Dino wants a job, it better be better. Uh, and it's going to be hard to not be better than they were last year. Like I said, everything just going wrong. Um, this is going to be a do-or-die moment for a lot of these players on this roster. All right, let's get into that uh, Syracuse schedule uh, right away. And I think, you know, with the September schedule, as we go through it, I, there's an opportunity, you know, for Syracuse to, to pick some momentum up. Let me, let me get your feeling on, on these games. So you open the season at Ohio. Well, is that Ohio State, did you say? Who is that? The Ohio Bobcats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here you go. You're you're right there. That's absolutely true. So this is, you know, as you look at the schedule, what objectively, no matter what way you want to look at it, you look at it for the schedule, this is an opportunity to build some momentum. And I, I think there is really something to momentum and making things happen and, you know, getting some energy behind you and trying to, you know, figure things out in some of these kind of contests. So Ohio, you know what? Let's give them a dub. And let's give a round of applause to Syracuse for matching Last year's win total of week one. Way to go, Syracuse. Phenomenal. All right. Then you go, um, you come back home, and you host uh, an old Big East rival, Rutgers. 
That was, that was pretty funny, Paul, by so, the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, Rutgers, that's just interesting. It's a fun, old-school matchup. Uh, I love this. You know, the fans are really going to get into something like this. This is this is an interesting game for Syracuse. But I, I think, again, this is one where we, we kind of mentioned off the top where potentially you can build some momentum. So let's ride the wind train. Syracuse finds a way. All right. Uh, you're staying at home to host the U Albany Great Danes. Wow. Again, this is, you know, one of those kind of matchups that you circle on the calendar before this thing starts. This, this is, uh, this is going to be a doozy. But you know, uh, some of these slugfish, you got to win these kind of games if you've got expectations in this league. Give me another dub. All right, uh, you're still staying at home, and this is a very intriguing Friday night game uh, against the Liberty Flames. Uh, Liberty caused some some trouble for the ACC last year. They absolutely did. They've got a terrific quarterback that Syracuse didn't get to see last year. They certainly will this time around in Malik. I, I, I got to tell you, uh, this is where the winning streak unfortunately ends here for Syracuse. It should be a fun one. I think this, especially you go back to last year in Liberty, uh, finding a way uh, to smack around Syracuse. Uh, I think they continue that momentum. I, I know that's going to anger a lot of Syracuse fans here locally, but hey, you just got to call it easy. I think Liberty walks away. All right, you go on the road uh, a week later, or a week and a day later, to play at Florida State. Wow. Uh, and again, Syracuse and, and going on the road, occasionally that can lead to some trouble here. Only the second road game of the season after a little Ohio trip to start things off. Again, when you look at the ACC, man, Syracuse, if they really want to make some noise, these are the kind of games you're going to have to get an opportunity in. But uh, I'm going to go, you know, and I don't know whether this will be surprising or not for a lot of fans as we're kind of working our way through the schedule. Unfortunately, I think that's another L. Okay. Uh, then you uh, go back home to the carrier dome and host uh, Wake Forest. Oh, this is this is a good one. Man, this is a good one. And it's funny because, like, as we go through this, it's uh, I don't know how everyone's uh, different pers- uh, perspective is as we're talking about schedules and things. But me personally, it's always hard to go through this and just try to figure out a way because, like, and we're going to go through, obviously, the entire schedule here. What Syracuse is hoping for, and obviously there are different expectations um, for different teams. For Syracuse, you know, they're not trying to – the 10-win season was cool, and it raised some interesting questions on Sports Talk Radio personally, so that was a lot of fun. But to try to find a way to get in the conversation of a bowl, which is that – six-win ballpark, the quest for six. We've talked about that over the years prior to Syracuse, again, making kind of this uh, this uh, double-digit jump here. they got to find a way to win some of these games. You know what? They get back on the winning ways after after the, the recent slump that we just talked about. I think they find a way. Okay, then you got a Friday night matchup with Clemson, and I remember not too many years ago, you know, when, when Syracuse pulled that upset on Clemson, also on a Friday night in the Carrier Dome. Interesting. And I've got, I, I got to tell you that, uh, you know, I guess it's time to finally, you know, come to grips and admit this. You know, uh, that date for Syracuse was a Friday the 13th. There's all this voodoo magic, Eric Dungey and everybody. My sister got married that day, and me and my dad, you know, uh, we had the uh, the game on the phone because it was her wedding, and I was supposed to do the game uh, to do some stuff for the radio station. We had the game on, and when they won, we're going, yeah! And everyone else in the room thought we were cheering for the wedding, but we're actually cheering for the Turkey's Clemson game. So, uh, you know, no one else knows that, really. So there you go. There's a reveal. Hopefully they're not listening to this podcast on that one. But, uh, yeah, we were like, woohoo, Yeah! And then the, the, the rest of the room were like, yeah, this is a great wedding! And we are like, yeah, that too. Yeah, it's great. So uh, that was phenomenal. That's a memory I'll never forget. But, uh, you know, and, and no Trevor Lawrence this time. So no touchdown Jesus, but uh, they got another guy there, that DJ guy, not too shabby. Unfortunately, I don't think they create the same magic. But you've got to be honest, it's been fun over the years. You know, there's been a little bit of trouble recently, obviously, but th- there have been some fun matchups, and we'd love to see that become a contest again. But, again, th- that's one of those memories I'll, I'll certainly never forget. All right, awesome story. Um, then you play on the road at Virginia Tech. Again, we talked about this earlier. I think the key here for Syracuse is find a ways to get wins, and they need to do it by any means necessary. 
And when you look at it for uh, Virginia Tech, I'm, I'm ready to make some noise. Syracuse has got to make some magic. I think they do so. Get, give it to us. Give us a little Virginia Tech action, baby. Get the dub. <clears throat> All right. I hear you. Um, you know, then you go back to the Carrier Dome after playing Blacksburg, and you're hosting the Boston College Eagles. Oh, my gosh. For, uh, I don't know if, like, if people are fully aware here, but Boston College is about to do some damage this year, man. I, I, they they scare yeah. me greatly and probably a lot of teams, and for good reason. And, again, as optimistic as we want to be here, you know, there's got to be a splash of realism. Upsets can happen occasionally. And I was just talking about, well, with Syracuse getting that one. I'm not quite as confident in this one. I think BC is uh, is BC is going to make a ton of noise this year, deservedly so. I I think they are a fire train that's going to be hard to stop. All right, and then after Boston College, you get a bye week uh, before you go on the road on November 13th to play at Louisville. Okay, I will tell you, uh, you guys didn't ask, but I do believe they win the bye week. You know, uh, that could often be a coin. <laughs> okay. Clear. Which, which means can, nobody can go either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. We're all undefeated in the bye week, so uh, you got to make sure you pick up that all-important dub. It's, you know, your opponent is you, and you got to win that every week. So if everyone needs some motivational speeches, I'll be doing that on the side. Now, in terms of all Louisville right. here, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, God, I love doing this show. You know, you know, for Louisville here, this one I, I went back and forth on because, again, I knew we do this every year with the predictions. And, by the way, this is the only place I do the predictions, which I love. So there's a lot of pressure in making sure I exactly nail this. So as soon as we finish this, again, everyone run to Vegas because, obviously, I'm not going to be wrong about any of these. So uh, with that being said, give it to me. I'm, I'm, they take down the birds. There's got to be – we've got to sprinkle in as many upsets in here as possible. All right. After that, you go on the road to play at NC State. Say it one more time. You guys cut out. Oh, after that, after Louisville, you play on the road at NC State. Okay. All right. There you go. And these have been, funny enough, some of my favorite matchups over the years because I just think there's been a lot of fun battles. You look at uh, the game I go back to, it kind of harkens back to, uh, the Ryan Finley Dungy game. There was like 52-49, a crazy game where, you know, Finley throws that pick at the end, and Dungy, remember, heading into that game was the Dungy Tommy DeVito. Oh, man, so they tossed the keys of the franchise over to DeVito, who the previous week went crazy against North Carolina and, you know, kind of saved Syracuse from that loss. So these ones have been some fun ones, but unfortunately uh, I don't think uh, the fun continues in this one. Got to give it to NC State. All right, and then you finish off the season uh, hosting the Pitt Panthers. You know what? I don't know what it is, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, I'm sure, but there is something about Pitt that just grinds my gears. You know, we try to think of, like, who is the rivals for all these teams. It's hard for Syracuse because, like, you know, for much of the 21st century, they've been god-awful. But i got to tell you, something about Pitt. They just disgust me. They just, I, I don't know what it is about them. I don't know if it's how they walk. I, I don't know what it is. But Syracuse has got to find a way to get this one. And every year, people are like, gee, what's your problem with Pitt? I'm always spitting all this crazy hate on Pittsburgh. But just something about them just grinds my gears. You know, uh, Pat Narduzzi, I don't know what it is. But you know what? Syracuse has got to get this dub. So give me the win. You, you, you sound right. the same way that V. You sound the same way that BT fans, Virginia Tech fans, do with Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, every year, it just gets under my skin. I'm like, ah, it's Pittsburgh. These gosh darn Pittsburgh. It is. It's the, it's, the old, it's the old Big East, man. I mean, it just comes That's back. That's it. That's really it. <laughs> you know? I mean, because I thought you'd say the same thing about BC. That, I mean, and for uh, quite a while, Virginia Tech and Syracuse were – rivals and it still feel like they are right. weird things happen when the Hokies come up to visit the visit the carrier dome you know what I mean or or when Clemson visits the, you know a lot of weird things happen when teams visit the carrier dome and it's interesting I mean <laughs> with a lot of these W's you're talking about some of the magic might be coming back so I'm sorry go ahead Jeff well they're gonna need it they're gonna need it <laughs> all right Paul, thanks for going through the schedule with us. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions on the podcast. All right. This is the, probably going to be my favorite question of the podcast here, Paul, because 
Jeff and I have had these conversations like through, you know, just through messages, through other podcasts, you know, where, where we have guests tell us about their predictions when they play Syracuse and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. we, we kind of, we want to get your, 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 your mind on the state of the Syracuse football program. Like what everybody is thinking about your bloggers, your fans, on the status of the program, where where do you think it, where do you think the orange are at? Man, we're in the pits of hell. Uh, I mean, fans are losing their collective minds here, and, and again, because I think there's a little bit of you know, it depends. All the fans are split in a lot of different ways, and I and I you know what I agree. I love that the, this question's in here. This is going to be my favorite question to answer, I'm sure, uh, on the show because I think a lot of fans are conflicted because the 10 win season, while it feels like a million years ago, I'm like 10 wins. When, when did that happen? Like 2018. I'm like, I I don't, I don't recall, especially coming off a one win season, but it just felt like Dino had everything right. Cause obviously Dino is super infectious. He's personable from a media member's perspective. He is an absolute, uh, just a thrill to cover. Um, he, you know, he's a wordsmith. Now, I don't really know if he's ever telling us anything, but, you know, when he, he's like, the cake's in the oven, you're riding a tricycle. I walk out of there going, that was cool. And then they're like, what did you learn? I'm like, I'm not too sure. But either way, he says a lot of things in, in a lot of creative, fun ways. And, and he's a cool guy. So there's a cool personality that fans fall in love with. And we're just a new fast. He has all these sayings. And then, like I said, the 10 win campaign. And we're all like, wow, that's terrific. But Really, when you start really diving into it, the one-win season, the disappointment, the and I think the biggest thing is for the state of this program, and again, it's a lot of pressure on Tommy DeVito or Dino Babers, however you split it. Tommy DeVito was supposed to be the guy. That was the hand-chosen guy by Dino Babers. And if you really think about it, going back to that 10-win campaign, Eric Dungey was leftovers. Dino Babers, if we're going to make this analogy, he showed up to Syracuse, right? And you know when you move out or move into a new apartment, sometimes you open the fridge, you're like, ah, someone left this in here. All right, I guess I'll keep it. That's Eric Dungey. He was here, and they're like, ah, all right, I guess I'll keep it. And then it it exploded and became everything that it did with the 10-win season. All of us went, wow, if he did that with leftovers in the fridge, imagine what he's going to do with the hand-promised prince, Tommy DeVito, the guy who's got the arm talent. And I saw him practice, man. Tommy DeVito, and obviously he's throwing the team, can rip the ball. He has such a great arm, so phenomenal. In a, in a shirt and T-shirt, you know, a shorts and a T-shirt, man, Super Bowl. He's winning championships. But all of a sudden you get him in the game and, you know, again, whether you want to blame the offensive line, whether you want to blame him, I think the blame has to go around a little bit. I don't think he can completely absolve one or the other. But he just kind of has this deer in headlights thing that when everyone's watching and rolling outside the pocket, whether he's trying to make too many things happen and, and trying to hit home runs and dingers instead of singles, doubles, and triples, you know, I think that's part of the thing that's messed him up, which leads us back to this question. The state of the program is in complete disarray. Whether or not Tommy DeVito was the guy, this was Dino Babers' guy. Dino Babers is an offensive guy. So when offense has been inept and non-existent with his promised guy, it's been confusing. Now, part of that is offensive line play. And again, you can factor that in as well. But for me, I, I look at Tommy DeVito. I look at what hasn't happened. And the fact that, again, that Tommy DeVito not only isn't, hasn't been the savior, that is obviously as obvious as anything can be, but that he hasn't even done enough to lock in the job, and thus some guys coming over named Garrett Schrader, who's going to be pushing him all over the place potentially for the starting gig, and even Phil Steele has gone as far as to say he believes Schrader is going to win the starting job outright as we head into the season. It's just disappointing. I, I think that's really it. And, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's the conversations that I'm sure all of us have had with our dad maybe one time where he's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And that somehow feels even worse than being angry at somebody. It's just disappointing. It's underwhelming. And, uh, wow, again, to have the span of a, you know, in the span of time, to have a 10-win season and a 1-win season, I think a lot of people don't know what to think of themselves. Some fans are ready for Dino to go. But as this is the question I always want to ask. When someone wants to fire somebody, I'm like, okay, that's well and cool. Who are you replacing him with? Everyone wants to fire everybody in 2021. You're fired. You're fired. I don't know if we've been watching too much Celebrity Apprentice and Donald Trump or Arnold Schwarzenegger, whoever's hosting that dang show, going, you're fired. We're like, yeah, let's fire people. Prisoner of the moment. Everyone's trying to get rid of everybody. But at the same token, 
you know, expectations here. We need to show a little chutzpah. I think outside of Dino having a very similar season where it's a one-win campaign, something in that realm, maybe then John Wildtack goes crazy and says, you know what, Dino, you're done. But outside of something wild like that, I imagine Dino has some pretty uh, firm job security here. They just gave him an extension just a little bit ago, and obviously they're super excited about him and what they think he can do. And maybe they want to give him one, you know, more than just the Tommy DeVito swing and see what he can do with another hand-picked quarterback, although they've struggled mightily, obviously, in quarterback recruiting uh, since the Tommy DeVito experience. So, man, that's a long-winded answer. But, man, the state of the program, complete disarray. The bloggers and fans are all over the place on whether to keep Dino or, or want uh, keep Dino or want Dino to go. For me, uh, I think Dino is the best thing you got. And until you give me a more viable replacement than Dino Babers, I'm on the Dino train. That's a very good. That's a very good analysis. We really appreciate that. So let me give you one follow up to that question because Jeff and I sure. were unaware of that uh, unaware of that extension. So you give us good good updates and news every time we come on the show. So sure. we appre- we appreciate that. We learn something new every time we get on the show. How long is that extension for? That's a great question, and it's funny. So you know, Syracuse being the private university they are, so you can take this for what you will. Now we're getting into investigative journalism here. So you know, <laughs> they're private, and they, they yeah, you know, this is going to be funny, right? So you know, again, this is 2021. So this is how you know. You know, it's funny, like in other reporting, right? We're like, oh wow, this guy unfollowed this team on Instagram. That must mean this. Geez, hello. That's where we are in reporting. But that's a different story for a different day. But we'll go into social media for a second. It's that originally there's a contract extension, an ominous contract extension. How long, how much money, none of us know. And then all of a sudden Syracuse shares a graphic image out on their social media portals, which said, I believe, it was an extension through 2024 or 2025. And then everyone went, what? And then all of a sudden the graphic image disappeared. We're like, whoa, what was that? And then it went back out, and that was no longer on it. Did some boob, uh, you know, whoever interned for Syracuse just tweeted out by accident? Was there some realness there? That's a lot of it that, quite frankly, that we don't know. But uh, that's the speculation. That's where we're all at, again, with the crazy journalism out there trying to guess and, and predict what it's supposed to be. But that's what people are saying behind the scenes, that it is, uh, or in front of the scenes, rather, the 2024, 2025, something a couple years out. And I, th- I think you bring up a very good – an out standing point that if you're going to unload some, you know, if you're going to unload a coach, you've got to have a viable replacement plan. I can't tell you <laughs> how. It. People don't think about that. I can't tell right. you how important that is. Right? <laughs> it's super important. Absolutely. People don't, again, that's the mentality that I guess of this world, if we go back 20 or 30 years, I'm not sure it exists in the same way. I think we give leniency and and give, you know, coaches an opportunity to kind of work them. It's almost like, you know, if you make the analogy to baseball that, you know, a pitcher's having some trouble out there, do you just yank him or do you give him some leeway to try to get himself to work out of a pinch? So, you know, and as we translate that to coaching, you know, are they going to give him an opportunity to find his way out? And then again, if you're going to move on, who are you replacing him with? And I don't see anyone running to this job and slamming, you know, their hand on the table saying, bam, upgrade. And I think, again, people are a little too, you know, gung-ho to try to fire people left and right without a proper plan of replacement. And to me, you know, I've yet to hear – I've heard a lot of people say, fire Dino. I'm like, okay, who are you replacing him with? And then I hear crickets. And I'm like, I see. Thank you very much. That's the people who call my radio show. They'll be like, ah, this. And I'm like, oh, really? So who are you, uh, you know, who are you replacing him with? And they're like, uh, uh, sorry, uh, we're, I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> And then they hang up. I'm like, I see. okay, very, very nice, very nice. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, so we're moving to another favorite segment of mine, and everybody's that's on the everybody that comes on this podcast. It's open microphone time. The floor is yours. Anything you want to say, Paul, you got it now. Okay, I've got two things to say, and I, the second thing may be a little more saucy, everybody, but I'll start with the first thing for. Goodness sake, as a former running back, can Syracuse have a thousand-yard rusher for Pete's sake? It's been nine years. I, I mean, we actually had the guy on our show. I'm pretty sure the last guy to do it was Jerome Smith, who talks about putting the hay in the barn or the barn in the hay. I, I don't even know what the saying is anymore. But 
for goodness sake, as a former running back, a university that is Floyd Little, rest in peace, Ernie Davis, Jim Brown, for, for God's sakes, we're talking about all this legacy here for Syracuse, and yet you can't even spit out a thousand-yard rusher? What are we doing, man? For, so I'm hoping Sean Tucker could be the guy. What a nice diamond in the rough pop last year. He's going to be the guy that gets the rock. We'll see if uh, Dino and this offensive staff are going to be a ride the hot hand or continue to kind of do this committee approach and kind of work different guys in. But, you know, selfishly, since this open mic time, we can say whatever we want. I mean, for Pete's sake, we get a thousand-yard rusher. And then on the other token, on a slightly more serious note, and, uh, you know, Taj Harris, the wide receiver for Syracuse, he was just at ACC Media Day, obviously a super talented guy, made a lot of big plays last year, and everyone is super high on him. But what I'm going to do is kind of call out Taj Harris here and say, Taj, man, I need you to man up, and I need you to really, you know, mature. Because if people don't remember, Taj Harris obviously had the moment where the camera was on him and he flipped the bird at the camera on television. And then he's had blow-ups on the sideline where he's spiking his helmet and going all wild because, you know, if a Tommy DeVito or somebody missed him. Again, I, I, I'll, I'm all for the competitive fire. When I was a former player, I was, I was as passionate. I try to be as passionate now as I am on the football field, and I love passion. That, that's awesome, energy and all that. But when it's funneled in the wrong way and, and you make the game about you and things of that nature, again, Taj Harris is talented, no question about it. And uh, he's a great player on this team. That also caused a little bit of issues with Dino Babers and, you know, really things of that nature when you're talking about discipline. Because after that, Dino is kind of lackadaisical on the discipline. And he's a guy from a military background. We're like, uh, you know, where's the discipline here? And it seemed like it was a little fuzzy because Taj is talented and the team stinks. So you're like, man, it's going to be kind of hard to pull him out. And that can really destroy the entire power structure if you're not as consistent in terms of the discipline there. So I, I called Dino out last year about that, and that was frustrating. But in terms of Taj, I'm calling him out saying, hey, man, time to mature up, and hopefully he's learned uh, from all these instances in the past. I certainly hope so, because uh, obviously he wants an NFL future and things of that nature. But that's something else that has grinded my gears. And, uh, man, that's really rubbed me the wrong way for a long time. And I really hope, like I said, that he just kind of mans up, matures up. He's got the talent. I, I want him to have his head screwed on right, and I think he could be a really talented guy. You're aw- guys, you're so awesome every time you come on here, Paul. You're really one of the best guests we have on here, so we really appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, sure. What What is your open microphone time here? You're up, man. I don't know, kind of in- interesting news weekend in, in college. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, we could have a whole week. podcast <laughs> on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, with the with the apparent move, uh, by the SEC to to nab uh, Texas and Oklahoma and and you know we've been following this for for a while. When it comes to expansion, nothing's a done deal until it's really a done deal. Um, but my my kind of my rant on this because uh, you know I mean, we like Matthew said we can talk about this for an hour. But you know the one thing I don't mind talking about scenarios. You know what could happen. But what really annoys me is that someone, you know, they'll come on on Twitter or social media and they act like they know what's going to happen next. And that it irritates me so much because not a single person had a clue what Oklahoma and Texas the SEC were doing. This has been going on for six months. I mean, when it was when it came out, they've been in discussions for six months and not a person, uh, you know, had it out there and then comes out all out of the woodwork oh this is going to happen uh you know these teams are going to move here they've been in discussion here like no you don't you don't have any sources you're just hearing something on the internet because nobody knew what was going on and very rarely when it comes to expansion and and these deals does anyone really know what's going on behind the scenes these these commissioners these conferences and these teams and these programs they're way too savvy to let leaks come out before they really want to. It's it's extremely rare uh, that something's going to come out months before than they want to. So, you know, when, when you see that random uh, blogger or even like a, a, a sort of semi-news media member saying, hey, I heard such and such, and this is going to happen, and it's a done deal, you know, it's not because you don't have any sources that know Nobody knew what was going on with Oklahoma, and that's a stunner. It's a stunner 
what the SEC may have pulled off. I mean, and it's something we're probably going to be talking about uh, quite a bit over the next uh, few weeks about how it affects the ACC. Uh, but the, the short version is that there's time for the new commissioner, Jim Phillips, to to figure out what to do. You know, obviously there's always Notre Dame, try to get Notre Dame on board, uh, but they don't have to panic. The great grant of right deals goes to 2036. You know, don't confuse it with what Oklahoma and Texas are doing because the Big 12 grant of right deal runs out in 2025. When they actually leave, they only have to negotiate two or three years out of that deal. And no one's ever gotten out of a conference for free. So there's no team in the ACC that's going to try to challenge 15 years of of their rights to get out of the conference. So, you know, not that it won't, may not ever come up, but it's not coming up in the next five or six years that someone's going to going to leave. So, you know, Jim, the new commissioner, Jim Phillips, has time. Uh, you know, he's getting paid millions to do this job. So, you know, if, if nothing happens, if he doesn't do anything, yeah, it could be pretty dicey for the ACC in a few years. But he's got time to to work on, um, you know, what he needs to work on to try to combat what the what the SEC has apparently done. So no time to panic if you're an ACC fan. Teams aren't breaking apart. The conference is not breaking apart anytime soon. Very good, sir. Very good. I'm going to use my mo- my open microphone here to ask two more questions of our great guest, Paul. First, Paul. Hypothetically, who should the ACC add if there is some sort of realignment? Who who would your first two choices be? Or should there be a mix of a, a, uh, I would say, a cross-division relationship with the Big Ten? Or should there be one big mega conference? Uh, And I realize, man, we could talk about this for another hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But from that perspective, give me your just give me a quick give me a quick quick answer on what you think what you think about if you, if you potential expansion options for the ACC. That's the first question. And the second one's actually more fun, now, maybe even more fun than the first one. And probably and you probably know some of these things right off the top of your head. You've got that name and name and image likeness type thing. You know where mm-hmm. where the athletes can profit off their likeness. Just some of the deals that some of the Syracuse players have. Uh, but there you go. The four cheers. All right, absolutely. On the first one, I'm going to push all my chips in the middle of the table the same way uh, the ACC would. Do any – it's the blank check across the table. It's what do you need? Notre Dame in the ACC. How fun was that last year as uh, Notre Dame, who kind of has been – again, and obviously they've got the brand power to do whatever they want. They've had the Shamrock series, and my dad's a diehard uh, Notre Dame fan, so that's obviously made uh, some of my conflicting interests when Notre Dame and Syracuse have squared up over the years – of uh, what am I doing there? But uh, no, I mean, Notre Dame is it. Having them in last year, the brand power, and like I said, the Shamrock Series where they played at Fenway Park and, and Yankee Stadium and Texas Stadium and AT&T. I mean, like Notre Dame, they're a cash cow. And obviously we all know if you're in the conference, you're splitting up all the money among everybody. And again, adding them, having that star power, the brand power, and everything that comes with Notre Dame, it's not even two teams for me, it's one. Notre Dame, that's the one you do whatever it takes in your power to convince them. If we start moving chess pieces around and realignment and adding and moving, and again, the same, it's like transfer portal, but for college football teams, and everyone's a free agent. We're moving and grooving. Screw deals. Let's figure it out. Screw contracts. Let's, let's make it happen. Notre Dame is the one that obviously ACC wants to desperately. They have to convince uh, Notre Dame if they're going to join a conference and, and join the t- uh, Tango line. They're the one, a thousand percent, that everyone wants to push the chips on. Obviously, I've got uh, you know biased interest from my dad, a diehard Notre Dame uh, fan. I've watched like every Notre Dame game for like the last you know 25 years, so I- I've got that on top of my Syracuse stuff. So 100 percent Notre Dame. And then the second question part with the NIL stuff. You know, I'll start off with the Syracuse basketball because that's been perhaps the most fun of it all, and that's Buddy Beheim doing everything. The the three uh, wishes cereal where he's pre- where he miss you know misrepresented his three swishes cereal that was hilarious. And Buddy's been making ground in the NIL world, and it shouldn't be a surprise with his dad Jim and you know the life he's kind of led is a bit unique to the common college athlete. He's been around the game his entire life, but. 
you know, he was the first athlete to do a traditional ad space where, again, it's just a straight-up, you know, real advertisement sponsorship where he's doing the TV thing for that. And, uh, wow, so that was a lot of fun. And then he's been doing – and this is the thing I also want to bring up with the NIL stuff in general. And the world hasn't ended, and it's funny. You know, we were talking off-air, and you brought up Dabo, uh, and, you know, a lot of people around here about the NIL stuff. And everyone said that, oh, no, NIL, players getting paid, what in tarnation? Oh, no, the whole system's going to fall. The, the ceiling is going to be the roof. It's, it's this. Oh, my gosh. Watch out. Well, guess what? Look at what Buddy Behan, and just in case you guys haven't heard. So Buddy Behan's hopped on Cameo, right? Uh, so you can pay a little money, get an athlete to wish you a happy birthday, a happy, you know, bar mitzvah, whatever you want. They can do that on Cameo. And Buddy Behan goes on Cameo. And all of the money that he's raised from doing these cameo spots, he's donated to a Make-A-Wish Foundation. Everyone says that this NIL stuff, oh, man, all these players are going to have stupid money to spend on cars and crazy stuff. But you look at it here for Buddy Bayham, and he shows, oh, wait a second, you could do something good with the money? What a, what a strange concept. The world isn't falling down, and they found ways to do it. And obviously, transitioning over to Syracuse football, uh, Joshua Black's been a really cool one because obviously – and, and this is how the players are using their brand power and using everything. Joshua Black did this cool athletic ver- video where he kind of ran it, did a flip off the wall. And remember back in the day, The Rock gave him a shout out saying, oh, man, stunt double, and uh, kind of made a huge joke about it. And then Joshua Black, credit to him, he's been using the Dwayne Johnson shout out from years ago as, hey, man, look at what The Rock said to me. Imagine what I could do for you on top of being a good football player in his own right. And that's been kind of cool to see him carve out a few deals uh, himself and all the players on the team finding ways to do it. But but specifically on the Buddy Bayheim stuff and opening up the doors, and again, that's a cool thing to me, is again, we're exploring a new world. There's going to be people who take advantage of the system. That's the nature of the beast. But we'll handle that as that approaches. It's great to see players getting able to uh, market themselves and, and get opportunities. That's fantastic. And hopefully for all of us, and selfishly, let's get that college football video game back, baby. It's been far too long. Far too long. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, so shout out to everybody there. Awesome, man. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We really appreciated you coming on the show. I just want to make a quick note here. We're sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia. You can follow them on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. That's P-H-A-R-M. And they're on the web at www.msblacksburg.com. Again, that's Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Paul, you've been an awesome guest every time you come on this show. And nobody knows about Syracuse more than you. I mean, you you are one of the major experts about Syracuse football, men's basketball, lacrosse, probably everything orange on the web. And we'd love to have you come on the show. We'd love to have you come on the show again sometime. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. This is Christmas. I look forward to this every year. It's circled on the calendar. So I love it. Thank you. Shout out to Main Street Pharmacy, baby. Yeah. Follow them on Twitter, at Main Street Farm. Phenomenal. And I love being here. Anytime, guys. It, me, top. All right. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Have a great week, guys. Bye, guys. Y'all, too.